This week, we talk about Ostara and ways to celebrate. I'm Leandra Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen Podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. Ostara is one of my favorite festivals, a Sabbath. It is all about spring, you know, growing the warmth of the planet, things growing in the ground, planting, and getting ready for those harvests that'll come later. Ostara is often associated with Easter or vice versa because many believe that Easter was an adaptation of Ostara, which is associated with Ishtar and Ostara, the Germanic goddess. And typically Ostara is just that celebration of coming back to the light of the world. The sun is warmth is growing. It's days are getting longer. We can start planting, planting those gardens. What are your thoughts, Elise? I noticed that it's the time of year that I start to want to be more social again. Oh. Um, it's, it's nice outside. So you want to be outdoors you feel more awake. At least I do. I feel like when the sun is coming up earlier in the morning, that makes me feel more awake earlier in the morning. And that just helps me want to plan, want to look ahead at what's coming and want to sow those seeds for the harvest. Like you said, whether that's literal or in our case, more likely or literally definitely. (laughs) I'm more definitely more active. Uh, You know, I, I like, I try to make it a point to spend this the winter months, the darker months, resting, rejuvenating, planning, you know, strategizing, yeah. not doing yet, just thinking things through. And I find that come March, things just start to explode into activity. We were just talking about that before we recorded this yeah. episode <laughs> about how many things are happening right now. Like my brain is spinning because there's so many things happening. They're all really amazing, really good. And I can't wait to have them be full force, you know, manifested. And that to me is the energy of spring. Like we are out of that darkness. We're coming into the light and we are regaining our energy, our vitality. We've, we've rested and now it's, we're rejuvenated and we're ready to roll. (laughs) Yeah. It's the time to take on the world. So in this section, we're going to talk about some common practices. Um, I'm going to come from my personal perspective. And Elise, can you give us some of your personal practices that you love that you find that are pretty common across the board? Um, Well, we think of eggs right away Mm -hmm. when we think of Ostara. And part of that is maybe the culture of uh, Christianity or Abrahamic religions that we usually tend to eat 
hard boiled eggs or dye eggs. Um, but a lot of those practices are actually a lot older than mm-hmm. any Abrahamic religion. Yes. So when we do work with eggs, um, we're honoring the ancestors, our pagan ancestors of long, long, long ago. Not to mention eggs, of course, are born in spring. Spring chickens are still mm. a thing, always have been. So thinking of that birth, eggs are are always that symbol. Um, they're not just for the Easter bunny. No, and so. they are that symbol of new beginnings. And that's what yes. this whole season represents is that new beginning. We're coming out of that darkness, like I mentioned before, and we're jumping into activity, growing, birthing, and taking those ideas that we have in our head and acting on them should we choose. And, you know, from literally planting seeds in the ground to grow our gardens to figuratively of, oh, I have this idea for a new business. I have this idea for a new art project. I have this new idea for a community nonprofit project. And we start implementing those activities that will make our our needs, our wants, our desires grow. And it's a time to literally come out of your shell, mm-hmm. like the spring chickens and the the new hatchlings. Yeah. It might be the time when you've been debating for years, you know, should I come out of the closet, broom closet, mm-hmm. sexuality closet? Yes. This is the time to do that. The spring is the time to do that. Um, it also might be the time where you finally start that website. I'm kind of talking to myself here. Yeah. Or <laughs> it might be the time to uh, branch out in other ways. Like you've always wanted to take that, that class. like come out of that shell that you feel you have to stay in, whatever it is. And maybe it's a partnership that you've been wanting to establish and nurture. So you start making the effort to nurture the things that you need to, that that will bring you into your best life. And yeah. I, I, you know what, just as you were talking, I was thinking about how the age of Aquarius is coming in. And to me, that feels like springtime. Like we have been in the dark yeah. ages for so long. Now we have this age of Aquarius. It seems to be birthing us into something new. Um, different sexual orientations are more accepted. Um, Genders. People of color are, are beginning to rise up more fervently and, and take their back their position in society. Women are regaining their positions in society. Witchcraft on a whole is now becoming more mainstream and, and we're reclaiming yeah. that. And I'm, I mean, we've been trying to reclaim the word witch mm-hmm. and witchcraft for a long time now. And it seems like now after decades and decades of work, finally the whole of the planet is going, huh, there's something to this. There's something to becoming one with nature and following the seasons and following the moon cycles and following our own natural circadian rhythms from, you know, from sleep and, and, you know, just our own ebb and flow in our hormone cycles and everything, you know, that self care is becoming very prominent where before it would have been thought of as selfish, but we're realizing it's not. So let's talk about our favorite practices for a moment. Some of my favorite practices are, of course, (laughs) involve herbs and tea. (laughs) Surprise, (laughs) surprise, right? (laughs) So one of my favorite activities during this time of year, and it really started back with my second coven that I was heavily involved with. 
uh, we would hold an annual tea party. And within this tea party, we would have, you know, big elaborate tables and all kinds of finger foods and the kids would have. sounds lovely. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. And I, I carried on that tradition um, from when I was president of Nature Church here in New York to now my coven and my own personal practices. So I will set up tables in the garden, you know, put out the big displays and the flowers and the tea, and we will sit around and we will you know, eat finger foods and talk and chat and the kids can hunt for eggs. And, you know, that's what makes it memorable for me, you know, sitting in the garden, appreciating nature and being out in the sun whenever possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think being outside is the best way to honor this holiday. I don't think you have to do anything else. Really. If you don't have time, if you don't have energy, if you're going to be with non-pagan family and you feel mm-hmm. like you can't honor this in the way you want, just by spending that time outside oh, yeah. um, and, and focusing on, the, re- the rebirth, what you're looking to grow into. Yeah. And that can even mean nurturing those relationships with non-pagan family. You know, just because, you know, you have a different religious view or spiritual view doesn't mean you can't have a good relationship. Now, there, it's a two-way street, of course. And I know a lot of people don't get that, um, have that that luxury, I guess, or that opportunity to have the two-way street. But yeah. I think spring reminds us that everything renews every day is a cycle, just like every spring is a cycle. We have a chance every day to make a difference in how we act and react to other people. So when we nurture relationships, we learn that our reactions can be positive or negative in that relationship. And I've, you know, maybe it's off topic, but I've seen many times when I changed how I reacted to somebody who normally would react negatively to me or had a negative connotation with my religion. And as soon as I changed my attitude towards them, the whole relationship changed. And I think spring helps us learn that we have a choice every single day with every single moment of each day of how we show up and how we grow ourselves. I actually, thinking of that two-way street, um, I, my family are Greek Orthodox and growing up, yeah. we did a lot of Easter traditions and mm-hmm. one of them I still do with my family. And I think it fits paganism so well. We dye eggs red, always red. Um, that's uh-huh. for blood of Christ, but, uh, yes, you yes. know, <laughs> if I was dying them now, I'd probably choose yellow. That's like the color Astara is for me, think, but yeah. <laughs> we do this competition where you get in a circle, you hold your egg in your hand and you turn to the person to your left and you, you see who wins, you crack them on top of each other Oh, and whoever wins moves to the next person and so on and so forth until only one person is left. And that person is supposed to then be the strength of the family for the rest of the year. Oh, that's a lovely tradition. I like that. That's very Yeah. Cool. So take that because I don't think there's very much no. uh, <laughs> Christian about it really. And it's, no. it's just cultural in Greece. But it sounds like a very ancient practice and like maybe it's adapted. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I do love that about Greek Orthodoxy. So many traditions, like wearing the evil eye. I yeah. don't think that's a Jesus thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it became one at some point and then dissolved again. I, yeah, there's some yeah. practices that ebb and flow throughout the centuries. I'm happy to borrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
So next, let's talk about kids' activities. I know there's a lot of families out there who have young ones that you're looking to do something with them. They're probably, they probably have been cooped up in the house with them for far too long, especially over the winter <laughs> months and, and, of course, COVID. So getting them outside and doing something with them, especially to honor an occasion, is, I think, incredibly important. And it, it helps strengthen those family bonds. You, you spoke a little yeah. bit about family. And keeping those family bonds strong and having fun with each other. So I love egg hunts. Now I know in our secular culture that is usually associated with Easter, but again, this is how we go into the connection and how things are borrowed across religions. Mm-hmm. And we will dye our Easter eggs using natural materials. So I will save uh, purple cabbage leaves. I will save my onion skins, turmeric, um, even uh, black walnut hulls or shells, I will save those and dye our eggs. And you could use raspberries and strawberries and cherries even. Boil them down with a little vinegar. I have an entire blog post I will link in the description about how to do this and what the different colors will give you. But it's so much fun because I am... Personally, in my kitchen, I want to teach my kids what they can use their food for, not just for eating. It's for health. It's for wellness. It's also for keeping your home the way you want it. You know, instead of using a, a can of, of aerosolized air freshener, you can use a little sen- essential oils and cleaning with vinegar instead of bleach or, you know, those sort of things. So yeah. I like to use the natural egg dye in this process because it keeps us close to what our ancestors used to do for one. And you're not wasting, you're not wasting those food scraps that you would normally just toss away or put them in the the, uh, compost bin. Yeah. I love that. I think kids also are going to be talking to their friends, talking at school, maybe not with COVID, but usually (laughs) about what they're doing over Easter break. And Mm -hmm. there is a lot of societal pressure to do the traditions that, society wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as witches, we need to give ourselves permission to be okay with, I guess, be okay with making making some concessions where it comes to what our kids want to do, but by having that conversation with them. So instead of, yeah, this is what um, Christians do. So we're going to like, look at an egg pra- an egg hunt for what it is and remind them of those roots. I think it's important that we share the legends, the stories, the mythology with our kids and help them see those commonalities, those connections across time and religions yeah. so that they don't feel isolated from their peers, but they can have those conversations with them too. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that even it, it'll bleed into other practices like divination and, yeah. you know, the whole egg hunt thing, it, if you want to put a, an absolute pagan spin on it, you can do it at night with flashlights. So we've done that before. It's yes. actually really fun. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Not at night. We did it just before dawn because Ooh. the dawn time is very symbolic for this occasion. So of course I woke the kids up. They weren't happy about it. <laughs> but the, once we went outside and they could hear the owls still hooting because it was like, I don't know, 5 a.m., something like that. The owls were still hooting. The deer were still kind of grazing in the backyard. So we could hear them like walking away and see them with the flashlights. I had already 
hidden the eggs and for them to find them in the dark, it was challenging for one. So it took them a little bit longer, but it was exciting because I taught them that the dark is not something to be feared. And then we watched the sunrise when we were done. And it's one of those magical experiences you can create for your family that it's so simple and almost a no brainer, but we don't do it anymore because, or we don't think of doing it because of our secular programming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't go out in the dark, right? <laughs> yeah. And actually I do something similar. I also do this at dawn and I, I didn't stay up for the sunset last year. I don't know why. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm going to definitely do that this year <laughs> or the sunrise. Sorry. Sunrise. sunrise. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't have children, but of course you could definitely do this with your family. So this is a solo or family activity. Mm-hmm. I'll hard boil an egg. And this is not my technique. This is from my high priestess. Um, she has us hard boil eggs at home, write or draw our intentions on there. I use sigils. I use symbols. Um, I usually do a circle for every person in my family on, on the shell. And then you peel the egg, keep all the shells when you peel it, bury those shells out at dawn and eat the egg in that same moment. So it's like a healthy breakfast and you're putting that out into, into the earth. And of course, shells are great for the environment. Oh yeah. You're nourishing the soil at the same time. And I, and that's one symbolism I like to stick with and, practice I like to stick with in this holiday and in this Sabbath is because is the idea that we are nourishing not only the earth, but ourselves too. So you, yeah, that was a great example of how to do that simultaneously because you put the calcium in the soil, put your intention in the soil to break down and be used by the energy of the earth to manifest and you're nourishing yourself with the egg. Nice. Yeah. No waste. <laughs> yeah. It's an offering that wins both ways. We're going to wrap it up with a couple more points on this event that you can try. Um, Some divination practices and some mindfulness meditation practices. For divination... And I, I couldn't tell you where this tradition originated. I would say, I would guess uh, probably everywhere. But you can take an egg, a pin, and a glass of water and use that egg for divination. So you use the pin to poke a hole in the top of the egg and the bottom of the egg. And you tilt it over the water and you use your mouth to blow air through the egg so that the whites fall through the other hole into the water. And then you look for signs, sim, uh, symbols, sigils, anything that you see that stands out to you in that water when the egg settles. Yeah. This is the same practice that uh, people use to then paint eggs. So you can use that shell, paint that, make that something that you can keep because of course the egg is no longer in there. Yeah. Um, so that's something that you could put on your altar afterwards. Um, and the signs that come through could be, could be anything that um you know if you read runes you might see a rune it might just be um would we consider this tassiomancy yes yes this would be a form of tassiomancy yep. try something new with divination on yeah, star. absolutely and i'm thinking back now that you mentioned the poking the holes in the top and the bottom of the egg i remember going back as a child like my mom my mom did not consider herself a witch 
She, she was Christian through and through. <laughs> but every Easter, she would do that with eggs. And I never understood it until later in life when I started practicing this. But what she would do, she would blow out the eggs, make them hollow, rinse them out. And then she would put pieces of scrap paper, colorful scrap paper inside the egg after it was dry and then seal it with egg white with some tissue paper. And then those became like confetti bombs for us on Ostara. Oh, that's so cool. It was so much fun because you throw it and it bursts open and then you have all this paper that flies everywhere and it's all colorful and pretty. And I never connected it before until I started practicing this. I'm like, oh my God, my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you could extrapolate that and write messages on the egg. Yeah. Fortunes, if you will. (laughs) And if you want to use like rice paper that will disintegrate and and biodegrade really easily, I mean, even recycled paper will do it. So there's all kinds of things you could do with that. When it comes to meditating and mindfulness on Ostara, one of the best ways to meditate for Ostara, I think, is a walking meditation. So like we said, being outside is so important on Ostara. Um, And what I love to do is look for the signs of spring. So it's like a hunt. It's like a scavenger hunt for Mm -hmm. little daffodil buds. Daffodils are my favorite. When I see the daffodils, I just always sigh a breath of relief because (laughs) I know spring is truly coming. Uh, Buds on the trees, birds coming back, snowdrops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have the little yellow flowers coming up right now. The snowdrops will come soon. But the yard gets speckled with them. It's gorgeous. And then we have a huge pink magnolia tree in the yard. So when that one starts to bloom, it's later in spring. But when it starts to bloom, like it's just so, looks like this big poof ball of pink flowers. It's gorgeous. I love magnolia. Mm -hmm. So we wish you a very happy Ostara. And best of luck with all your beginnings that you start this month. Thank you for joining me in this episode. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, to sign up for my newsletter and stay up to date on new episodes, articles, and more. Blessed be.